right, John Scheiber, how you doing, buddy? Man, I'm doing fantastic. A little bit tired. The cold kind of took it out of me today. I don't know. Is we've had some really cold days. I know you yeah. are not ignorant of that. No. And something about today was just extra cold. I don't know if it was the the wind chill or the direction of the wind plus <laughs> that factor, but it just seemed really stinking cold today and kind of zapped me the spirit of winter is upon us <laughs> it was rough my my throat has kind of been it doesn't hurt but it's like swollen up and it's uncomfortable and it's been this way for a good week or more it's mm. winter is just sneaking up on us every way possible do you run a humidifier we do that's come up recently because ours wasn't working correctly and now it mm. apparently is and the house is still all weird so i don't know you know it's just you really have a sign of of your age when, <laughs> exactly. when, when you're like, is our, is our humidifier running? Baby, is our humidifier filled up? <laughs> right. I think Louis C.K. has talked about that going to the doctor like, well, it's winter and like my ankle hurts. And the doctor's like, well, you just, you're getting to that age. You know, it's like, what do you mean? Just, I can't fix this. It's like, ah, you're yeah. getting, getting older. Um, no, you can't. Your meat suit's failing. <laughs> yeah. The humidifier thing is funny because we do have one. It wasn't working correctly. And, I was starting to get shocked by light sockets in the house, and that shit hurts. Going to flip a switch, like, oh, you know? Yeah, was, it's like a terrible prank gone wrong. Yeah, and on the third time, I was ready to burn the house down, so <laughs> luckily <laughs> we figured that out. So, anyway, we yes. <laughs> I we, we got some really super positive feedback last week with our new focus on sort of news you can use, and people seem really appreciative of that, so I spoke on your behalf and committed to um we're going to keep that going. We're going to we're going to try to make sure that we're bringing stuff people can apply to their development. Um well, I mean, we'll talk crap about the news and stuff and uh make jokes about blue hole. Uh I I do like the idea of making sure people get something if if they take the time to listen to what we're doing here, I want to make sure they leave with something. Oh, yeah. No. So, so hopefully you don't mind. No, not at all. What do we got on the table today? What are we serving up, my friend? Yeah, so last week we talked about strategies for promoting your game, and I, I think it it was sort of a nice common sense breakdown of, of steps that people may be missing when they're trying to uh, take their product out to the masses. You came up with an excellent idea, and I'm totally crediting you with this. You had the idea of going out and bringing in wisdom from sort of other practices, uh, general business stuff, things where people yes. have really devoted a lot of time and research and um, time-honored traditions and things that have been streamlined over many years. And uh, the specific idea you had was uh, new product development, going from idea to uh, product launch, that, that sort of thing. And yes. I loved that. I went out and researched that and came up with um, notes about processes that were sort of well accepted in the industry. And I think we're going to talk about how to apply sort of business-wide new product development to the game development practice and, and give people from that perspective sort of steps they can use while they're going through uh, gathering ideas and developing uh, prototypes and launching stuff just from a new perspective people may not have considered. I mean, would you say that's sort of the idea? Oh, yeah. No, no, absolutely. It's um not giving anything way too soon, not to get too far ahead of ourselves. But yes, that is a good way to introdu introduce this. And the mindset that you want when when you're making a product for other people to enjoy. Ultimately, that is the end game. Okay, so I'm going to pull this up on screen here. This is an article by Fido.com. I guess is how they would pronounce that. It's called The Entrepreneur's Guide, Eight Steps of New Product Development. 
and we're going to go through all of these steps that discuss uh, generation of any sort of product, and each one of these steps we're going to break down at high level how to uh, incorporate this into your game design and how to do these steps in your your actual uh, studio work, and hopefully it'll it'll give you some new ideas that you might not have thought of or a new approach that might lead to greater success. We are uh, we're just going to start at the top uh, step one, and step one is idea generation. And they talk about in sort of a corporate setting how you can uh, generate ideas for whatever you you specialize in and how you would go about getting those ideas. And it mentions things like internal sources. And this is interesting because if you work at a big corporation or something and you work in an area where you might not get heard, uh, this encourages people to get sources from people who normally don't get to give ideas and they're not the big executives at the at the boardroom table and all this stuff if if the janitor has an awesome idea you'd be stupid not to listen to it would you say you've been in this situation where you've sort of been the guy who's not really at the meeting but you've got some idea that's not being implemented that could save everybody's bacon oh yeah time and time again it's it's so common that I, you know, I wish I had five bucks every time it happened. <laughs> yeah, it, I think this it, is another reason we're we're probably well equipped to give this particular approach because we've both worked in the corporate realm for you know ten years plus. Yeah, and it's and it's really it's really tough because you don't have a certain set of I want to say credentials for lack of a better term. You kind of get buried. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So the the whole list for idea generation in the corporate world is internal sources, people who normally don't get to give those ideas, SWOT analysis, and I'll talk about that in a second here, uh, market research, customers, and competition. So they recommend looking at all those sources. The way I'm translating this into actual uh, game design stuff, internal sources, you're probably not working with a real big team. Uh, you may be yourself, a buddy, your, your dog and cat or whatever. Ideas that normally wouldn't see the light of day, you have to consider all of those ideas. It's a pretty simple concept, but uh, it's worth talking about if you do stuff like game jams. Just consider every idea you, you come across. Now, SWOT analysis is, the word is SWOT, S-W-O-T. It stands for Strengths, Weaknesses, Opportunities, and Threats. So, Strengths means like, you and I, we're both musicians, and if we were going to make a game about music, that would be one of our strengths. We would say, like, it would make a lot of sense for us to make the next rock band or whatever. Yeah. I, I wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, weaknesses, very obvious. I mean, I'm I'm bad at drawing feet or you know, art in general. I'm, I'm not a brilliant I'm, I'm like, sketch artist. Or, yeah, no, I'm terrible at that. And and the the only point is... Not not to be, beat yourself up, but when you're considering ideas, you want to think about what you're good at and what you're bad at. Like if, if something is not within your realm of expertise, you have to take that seriously. Yes. Opportunities is another good one because I'll think about like VR stuff is just taking off. And if you're not bogged down in like an ongoing two-year project, you have an opportunity to come up with an idea and be the first person to do something in VR. You know, I would yeah. make a ski ball game in VR. There's probably a pretty good ski ball game by now. But any any time you have the edge over a bigger studio or somebody who's uh, really weighed down by stuff, that's that's always something good to consider. Yeah, and before we move all the way past the SWAT, a, a, a point I'd like to bring on about weakness, and I know this is going to resonate with you. Sometimes I find when dealing with a team, this is more like interpersonal side of things, like dealing with the actual members of the team. 
and the um, egos and the different relationship issues that can get involved. When you're weak somewhere, like I'm weak in the visual art, be careful about the tendency to put really super high, unrealistic expectations on the person on your team that has that strength. So don't just sit there and spew a bunch of outlandish, impossible to accomplish feats for this person to do because you're like, well, you're the art guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm with you. Make it happen. That's a great point to make because it's it's happened too many times. If if you're a commercial software developer, like for your day job, and I know a lot of our friends are, that's basically your manager at all times is the guy who sits in the boardroom and goes, well, if we need new billing and business management software, uh, our guy, Greg, he is the champion, the world champion of, of that. And he could get it done by Friday. I'll just wait here. I'll go tell him and he will have it done by Friday. And Greg kills himself because he, he can't deal with, you know, it's impossible. And he feels like he's going to get fired if he doesn't. So you're going to run off all of your yes. uh, rock stars that way. And I, I hate when people refer to tech people as stuff like ninja wizards and dragon master rock stars and stuff. But you don't want to send away your best talent by <laughs> constantly heaping stuff on them and going, oh, but you're the guy. You're the great exactly. guy who, who is the best at that. And you can handle that. Shut up. Right. Either, yes. I either learn most... how to do it or just chill out. <laughs> I want the most ultra perfectly rendering doesn't bog down your game at all 3d swirling beautiful effects right. <laughs> i want it to come to no cost at the user interface or anything it just needs to be yeah and you're, and you're sitting here going you know no I'm, I'm one guy we're making an indie game you mean unreal engine <laughs> won't do that greg can rewrite unreal engine it doesn't matter <laughs> I'll, I'll go tell Greg to <laughs> rewrite Unreal. Exactly. Anyways. The last one in SWAT is T, and that's threats. A big easy one for indies is budget. You you have a threat oh, yeah. of if you spend too much on a project, you're going to have to go back to uh, working at Wendy's. And you, <laughs> you don't want, or, you know, you just have to spend your evenings doing something else. But threats are anything that could really cause damage to either your project or your business. Don't do those things. That's simple. And if an idea introduces a threat another good one is like we want this to be a fan project for pokemon or something like how many people have spent a bunch of time resources effort on uh ip that is owned by other companies and they get shut down they get threatened by lawyers and it's like what what do you think was going to happen here that's i'm glad you brought that up because i was thinking yeah a threat could also be uh, a feature um some kind of other thing you want to introduce into your game that would just bleed in all of this poison. Like um, it doesn't necessarily have to be the relinquishing of actual resources. It could even just be a feature into your game to where you're just like, Oh my God, we should have never put global chat in this thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> Our yeah. community is poisonous. Yeah. You know, like that can be a threat to your project too. So that's true. If something could be exploited or misused or anything, those are things you have to take real seriously as threats. And that's all to say that, this whole SWOT analysis thing, those four categories, it's it's just a way to guide your ideas. And you still need to, to really come up with a lot of ideas when you're thinking about what you're going to tackle next. But these things have to be considered. Absolutely. So after SWOT analysis, I have market research. And market research in a game developer's world is stuff like, check out app charts. There's a bunch of websites. Some are better than others. But each will give you a pretty good idea what's working on iOS, what's working for uh, Xbox One, 
and wherever you want to develop, consider <laughs> how your ideas match up to what's actually working and what's making money. Not just making money, what actually has players. So I mean like the Steam list where you yes. can see who's playing what on Steam. You know, maybe maybe number five makes a lot more money than number one, but you still want a big player base. Yes. So if if it doesn't make a ton of money, it could still have a big community, and that's always a good thing. Um, also, stuff like you can see on on Twitter, like what's what's working well with uh, what hashtags are trending and what keywords are are seeing a lot of activity. Um, it, it all shows you what's what's popular and what's got momentum. Yes. Yes. After that, customers. If you are a developer who has pre-existing products, you've probably received feedback from someone about that product. And you you can usually get a good idea of what people want from what people are saying. And I, I have a good personal story about this when my uh, when my learning game for kids was out last year, Letter Taps. I I did that AMA and we talked about that last week, but it was a, a an event where I answered questions for like teachers and educators and um, medical professionals who dealt with child development and stuff. And and one lady in particular was like, "Oh, this is this is so great!" And uh, does it do does it have this specific feature? And I'm like, "Well, yeah, it, it does. This is how I handled that." And does it have this specific feature? And I said, "No, it doesn't have that one." She goes, "Oh, I I can't use this." And I'm like, "Oh, I'm I'm sorry to hear that." And I'm like, "What?" What would have uh, made this more suitable for your your practice? She was in like child speech development or something, and and she goes, huh. if you if you made this do X Y and Z, I could guarantee you like at least thirty installs at my at my practice. And I'm like, huh? Yeah, no, I never thought about that. And it's it's yeah. stuff like that, you know. If one thing is you have to be active about uh, actually communicating with people who are using your product, but once you do, man, like they. People will tell you exactly what they want. And that's one way to use people's sort of finicky nature to your advantage. Like, they'll let you know. And if you're willing to do it, and a lot of people say the same thing, now you got a golden idea. Yeah, absolutely. Feedback, learning how to take that. Um, while we're on that, I'm glad that came up mm-hmm. about that because I would like to offer some advice on how you can dissect constructive criticism like that. And then when when someone's heaping an unrealistic uh, expectation out of your project, sure. What is what would be like some piece of strategy for you in developing a piece of software that you'd be like, okay, this is valid input. Would it be perhaps something launched from uh, the misinterpretation misinterpretation of the of the app's purpose in the first place? It you could, know? yeah. Well, it could. I've I've had that. I've had a. Uh... I had a reading teacher, and I mean this, I know I talk about a lot of educational stuff, but this can't apply to just about anything. But I had somebody go, oh, it, I'm looking at this product. Does this does this do this? Does it go through, like, you know, word sounds for kids or whatever? And I'm like, no, it doesn't really specifically break down, like, letter sounds and, and stuff like that. Oh, well, if it does, call me. <laughs> it's like, it's sort of brutal at the time, but when you <laughs> need a sense of, like, where the market is or, or what people are looking for, like, if you're making a... Uh, hack and slash game and you want to know somebody goes like it looks like this is like a dinosaur game does this have dinosaurs in it and like no it doesn't well this this sucks yeah so like i said people will be very straightforward and all you have to do is listen you have to decide either you know this is valuable or no this is not for me right now but the information will always be there okay i like that and so a lot of times if you're just paying attention you should just be able to jettison that invalid commentary yeah absolutely you 
I, I like to think that when you have gone through a project and you've really done your homework, like you start to know, you get a real good sense of like when to take it to heart and when to go like, mm, okay, understood. Thanks for your time. And just never uh, worry too much about that again. Yeah, I hear that. And I think this is a, a sticking point for, for people too. So that I hope that if you're listening to this and that's one of yours, it tends to be a fear that I know is a very common fear about a lot of projects um, of any any type, of any nature in general, uh, processing this kind of feedback. And so keeping that in mind, you know, is this person actually using your software? Are they using your game? Can you tell? Can they talk to you about what is happening in the game? And instead, not just having that blanket statement like you said. Well, yeah. I thought there was going to be dinosaurs in this. Well, uh, this is the worst game of of. 2018 ever there's no dinosaurs okay that guy you could be like yeah 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 shut up but this other person it's like well when i got this armor can you make the indicator on the screen let me know that when the power up cool down is available oh yeah yeah you know you know just throwing something random out there but okay yeah yeah yeah, this we can internalize this thing that's very very much coming from a person that clearly is using your app yeah, and all you have to oh, do is playing your game. All you have to do is put out a basic effort to take people seriously. And I mean, if it's too hard, if it's like there is no way this is a reasonable comment, well, okay, there you go. But if if you can see the person's point of view, see how they're using it or what it is they want to get out of this, and go, oh yeah, that's that's right. Well, there you go. They're perfect. Okay, great. So we can give people this uh, way to write off abrasive people. Hey, listen, they could be nasty. Would find the ones that matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. There you go. Yeah, there you, you go. can never close out. Um, as much as we might like to, sometimes whatever we're doing, we can't really shut people out. If no. you're putting something out there, you have to allow some commentary back in. It's tough. We talk about it all the time because we do all sorts of stuff, and people give us uh, feedback just all over the charts. This is great, or uh, you should be killed. But <laughs> you have to know what to do with it is really is really it. Customers yes. is a biggie. This is a, this is a big point. Yeah, and so and that's perfect, leading you right into that. The uh, the last one for idea generation is competition. Uh, what what else is succeeding out there? What ideas have been implemented by competitors, similar studios? I, I don't think you always have to look at other game studios as competitors because really. Once you're in game development, you can find a whole lot of people doing the same job as you who want nothing more than to be part of a community with you and talk to you about what you're doing. So I'm just going to say similar studios or similar developers. What are they doing and how is it working out? Because not only is it easy to see with like, is it up in the charts or are people talking about this on Twitter? But they will usually tell you directly, if not directly, like they'll put up something on Gamma Sutra about like we we created Octodad and here's how it did in sales. Here's the size of the team. I say that that game specifically because I believe that studio did do a very uh, detailed analysis of like how they did in sales and what they invested, what they got back, whether or not they would tackle it that way again. You can find a lot of stuff like that online. And if you don't, you're really at a disadvantage. Interesting. I didn't know that that particular game had that kind of information. I'd like to talk to you about that later because it had my eye for a while. It's a fun um, game. I, I spent a couple hours on it the other day. It's a lot of fun. It looks cool. kind of reminds me of I Am Bread when I looked at it, and I have I Am Bread, and uh, that's a unique one you need to play sometime, too. I haven't played that one, but I think they are sort of in the same vein. 
it's it's neat. So, anyways, we'll talk about. I'd like to know about some of that Octo Dead stuff. But so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like what you mentioned about competition. You don't always necessarily have to view the other studio as that, or maybe at all view them like that. But instead, you know, other people getting after the same area that you are at this day and age. It's been done. I mean, you're not going to really be coming out of the gates with something that I or you would probably think is going to be ultra competitive as far as, you know, pushing that envelope mm-hmm. unless you got some big money and you're working with tech. And all honestly, in all honesty, I think that is going to be the only way that I feel like you're going to be a new contender enters is when you're when you're pushing the envelope, like, you know, with the Crytek stuff and everything like that. Sure. Yeah, you're just guys that are RPG guys, or you're guys that are mobile guy, game guys, and then you go look at the guys that are doing that same thing that's similar to what you what your idea is. And there's no shame in that. Arnold Schwarzenegger has that in one of the speeches he gives you at university. Copy something, you know. I'm not hmm. telling you to rip somebody's idea off, but enter that ring, get in there, take your stab at the puzzle type, you know, where's my water kind of a game. I don't know, you know. Yeah, sure. You know, and and then don't view the big studios or, or somebody else doing something similar as a as a as a competitor. You know, more so as a as a um, a fellow a fellow carpenter or something like that. Right. You know, you guys are part of the same union. It's a unique thing. <laughs> yeah, most of business you do look at it as competition. People who want to put you out of business, on and on. And game development is unique in that not that many people look at it that way. You will still run into people who usually come from out the outside into the game industry and go like we gotta we gotta go after so and so we gotta take them down like that for one thing that doesn't make sense your your success is not their failure yeah uh sometimes yes you're gunning for the top spot because you have an arena shooter and they have an arena shooter and (laughs) you know talk talk to the uh, battleborn team or whatever it's it's unfortunate sometimes but much more often, everybody's friends. Everyone's friendly to the point that they will help each other out in a pinch. Um, I've I've certainly heard more than a couple of stories about like we were totally screwed. Our publisher hooked us up with another studio under their umbrella, and they clued us into this library or showed us how this this source code works in this engine. And it's thanks to them that we are where we are, and that's great. You know, it's yeah. So really, you're just trying to learn from the people around you. And that's that's always wise. So when you think of the the word competition as it pertains to business or entrepreneurship, I cannot tell what my son is doing right now. This is sort of maddening. <laughs> um, so when you, when you hear uh, the word competition, just just think about learning from the people around you. I like that. I like that. Very well stated. That and that all that is just step one. Step two is actual idea screening. So. What you're doing during this step is you're taking all of these ideas that you have and you have to consider each one against like all of those categories, the strengths you have, the weaknesses you have. Um, and you have to add a few things. I would say look at each idea with your actual interest in spending a lot of time with it because any any game project you start, you're going to spend a lot of time with this topic. So it has to be something you are just either fascinated with or you wouldn't mind learning more about or, you know, you know it's not going to be driving you nuts in six months. Yeah, no, I get what you mean. So, to just be clear. Yes. When you're saying that you're going to spend a lot of time with this topic, are you referring to the context of the game world that you've created? So, if you're going to make a game about, 
mutant, inbred, bayou crawdad fisherman. <laughs> so good. You need to be. You need to be up on that culture. Is that what you mean by by? Yeah, I, I look at this as taking um, it in. Yeah, and you'll hear writers talk about this and game designers as well. But anything that you're going to create a game about is something that you really have to immerse yourself in, even if it's just like simple racing or uh, Mario type thing. You have to accept the fact that you're you're going to be just you're going to dream about whatever it is because you're going to stay up late coding you're going to go to bed your brain's not shut off yet and so you're going to be thinking about civil war uh era warships or <laughs> whatever whatever you decided to tackle so it it has to be something like you can't go in thinking if i hear one more thing about crawdads i'm going to kill myself <laughs> it, it has to be like you know what crawdads this is great i can't wait to get in this and learn what they do and what they eat and how to identify one when you're uh poking around the swamp or uh, whatever so <laughs> yeah, whatever whatever they do i get what you're saying so yeah that makes a lot of sense you got to know this you have to know this thing and the only reason this is an important point is because a lot of interesting game ideas are sort of bizarre these days you know you come up with a lot of um uh, what's the new one that's just wildly fascinating to me guy in bucket with shovel or whatever have you seen that <laughs> oh yeah i think i know what you're he's got about, no yeah. he's got no legs he's in a spittoon or something like that and mm-hmm. then he he like has to throw his little pickaxe out and like grab his way up the thing or whatever yeah 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 and it's like what the heck like they, i don't know how long that game took to develop but for sure like the second or third time somebody went home late or went to bed late because of this stupid dude in his little pot with his with his climbing hook, like he started questioning his life choices. That is a perfect example of what I'm talking about here. Like you have to you have to have interest and in like sort of being be in a stable state of mind. You have to really accept that like this this is not gonna be as funny in, in six weeks and you're gonna work real hard on it. So you have to really like the idea. You gotta really like that world. Okay, I'm into that. Yeah. That was solid, man. The next point in idea screening is stuff like profitability. This is tough because you've got things that are saturated in the marketplace. Like, you know, I would like to make a racing game. Like, well, there are a lot of good racing games. There's very good data on what they're worth, but there's no guarantee you're going to get it. Whereas if you have a much more original idea, you know, you want to make a, a game about launching cars off of the top of parking garages onto targets down on the street. It's tricky because there's not a whole lot of existing data on that, but you have to do your best to sort of navigate the information you have and determine like, is this game likely to pay for itself? The time I spent on it, the resources that went in, um, is this wise? Okay. Yeah. I like that. And, and even though you mentioned something niche there and then that was very unique and it sounds like i'm already excited i'd i kind of want to drive I'd, a car off of a parking garage i'd play that yeah i really i really would play that 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 you will find markets that are similar to offer that kind of advice too so if you do come up with something unique so if you hit me with that idea and you were legitimate about that i would ask you to go look at sandbox mm-hmm. how are the sandbox games going sure it's not exactly what you're developing but i would have a feeling that that would draw that kind of a player to it yeah if you, you know? had, if you had a boss that was asking for that information like give me a financial analysis what we can expect yeah that's probably the way you'd go about it you'd go like here are what i would call comparable uh projects and here's what they've made or here's what whatever.com says they're worth and 
you would take it from there. You'd go, it's, it's hard. There's a uh, margin of error because we, we aren't doing exactly what they did. We're hoping yes. to do something more fun or more innovative and take it from there. So, but yeah, it's worth thinking like, is there any expectation that we could hit X goal or you know, yes. whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, some, some small corner of a game market that it kind of bleeds into either direction and there might be more than one too so if you get sit down long enough no matter how unique of an idea that you think you may have i bet you you're gonna find a game or maybe two categories that it kind of touches mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. bounces between that you can maybe pull some rough numbers out and be like you know i bet we could hit x amount of rpg and x amount of sandbox guys with this one yeah so here's a rough idea financially okay you know what you know on the even on the low side of this figure I'm still feeling good about it. Let's go. Uh, the last major point about idea screening is sort of what I would call affordability of development. Some ideas are going to be more costly than others. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're going to need a certain library or a certain amount of art. Uh, that's actually not uncommon at all to say to make the following game. We're going to have to go to the uh, Unity Asset Store, for example, and we're going to have to pay 15 bucks per model for this goat that we're going to simulate this city with and, and make goat simulator or <laughs> yeah, that, that yeah. Was a cheap one. And they made that as a test for something else. But uh, you, you probably get the idea. You may need hardware. You know, if you want to get into VR, consider the yeah, fact that VR. <laughs> you're going to have to test on at least one uh, model of hardware and you probably several. And uh, sometimes you can borrow one. Sometimes you can't. So, yep. Yep. So that, you know, those kind of investments are huge, huge things to consider. Right. So whereas Angry Bird was not as as difficult in that regard. No, (laughs) no, not at all. Flappy Bird, you know. Flappy Bird. Yeah. So that that's an excellent point. You know, what what kind of upfront cost are you dealing with here? And, and, you know, what's it really going to take to get this going? And, and, you know, is it possible to do what you want to do with the engine that you have? Or, you know, really explore your, be real be and be really realistic here if you aim to succeed. Yeah. And be re- very real here. This is the time in the conversation to where, you know, you really, you need to, you need to let go of that pie in the sky stuff. You need to be really honest with yourself and your team and what you're going to be able to do. Would I love to be able to make some kind of giant procedurally generated open world medieval amazing spawn in a thousand dragons <laughs> MMO thing. Yes. Yeah. When am I going to realistically be able to make a 2d side scroller with uh, an angry rat? You know, what <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know what I mean? where one boss yeah. is just like a dragon's foot. Yeah. Right. Like up and down. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. yeah, there, there you go. There's that. There's my input for that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So at this point we've gathered ideas. We've, screened ideas against all of these different um, sort of barriers. Step three is concept development and testing. And this is one of the steps where most people in game development, if they've been around a while, they do do some version of this. When you think of game development in this regard, you should pretty much just think prototypes. So you've come up with your two best ideas or just your one best idea, and you're going to try to build one mission of this game or, you know, one mission of this game, one mission of the other game, and then you're going to show it around. You're going to play it. Your friends are going to play it and you're going to see what people like, what sort of questions they have, what sort of comments they give you and see what people are drawn to. 
and then you should have a good idea of whether or not this is viable and uh, if it's going to have an audience. That's awesome. So, I mean, in the business world, this is just, we came up with this thing in the lab and see if it'll uh, make your brights brighter and your whites whiter or <laughs> whatever. And uh, tastes like root beer at the same time. I don't know why I said that, but... Will kids eat this on YouTube? I don't know. Yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, prototype in the game development world, that's obviously huge. This is where you get a chance to see, like, is this actually feasible to develop? Do I know what I'm doing? Uh, can I put this together? And then how does it look? Yeah. Yeah. Like some kind of rough way that this is going to present itself. One thing I think... Uh, a lot of developers don't try to do that. I think they could take away from this discussion is when you do a prototype, consider seeing if you can get it in like an indie festival or uh, here in the St. Louis area, we have events at the science center on the first Friday of every month where you could show a game off to people. And I don't think it costs you anything to do that, but there's, there are probably events in your area where you can get something in front of a small audience, go, hey, do you want to try this game? Like, this is a thing I'm actively developing. My name's whatever. Take a look at this and see what, what you what you like. Because the people you know are still probably going to hold back their feedback a little bit. You know, yeah. if I show something to you, you're not going to bury me in criticism, probably. Um, no. I can probably count on you to give me some straight advice, but you're probably not going to tell me, like, dude, this, you should burn this in a fire. This is awful. <laughs> and someone who doesn't know you, if you've just taken 10, 15 minutes of their time while they're out and about, they're going to let you know, probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and plus, you're going to really be able to just see the reaction, even if they are a nice person and don't want to completely crush a stranger. Right. Uh, you can usually tell a little bit better, you know what's going on here when an outside individual gets their hands on it. Yeah. And this, this part goes all the way up to the top. Like if you go look at large studios and publishers and stuff, they have this exact same approach. They will have two teams make prototypes when they're looking for their next winner of a project and the best prototype's going to win. And they're going to put their resources into that. And the other one maybe goes on hold, gets redeveloped, maybe just goes away, but it's tested and proven like at all levels. So, yeah. And that's concept development and testing in a nutshell. And uh, the last one we'll talk about tonight is business strategy analysis and development. And that's a fancy term for stop what you're doing, plan your marketing. It is everything we talked about last week. At this yeah. stage, after you have a prototype that you know you're going to invest your time in before you start developing, and it's hard to put the brakes on at this step, you have to stop and determine if this is the project and these are the components, and this is the schedule, here's what I need to do online, and here's when the website needs to be up, and here are the social media accounts we need, um, here are the people who we want to get interested, and I mean, if you're thinking, like, Kickstarter now is probably the time for that as well. I've not done a Kickstarter myself, so I'm probably not the authority for that, but all this other stuff you need to plan right now, go through it, write it down, or uh, schedule it on Google Google calendars, or whatever you like to do. And determine how you're going to build that audience. Yeah. Okay, so now, to just be clear, I know you just literally said that, but you said this would be the good time to intro Kickstarter. So you have to recap what you have set up before you intro your Kickstarter is you have had a prototype built mm -hmm. according to a game that has been designed by people with the appropriate strengths 
where you're filling in the weaknesses correctly by adding team members, maybe hiring outside sources. You got all of this stuff in mind or already implemented. Then you make sure you're free from threats. Are we going to ruin our game by adding a game-breaking feature? Are we ruining it by adding game-breaking people, game-breaking outsources? Yeah. yeah. You know, did, did we make a good prototype? Did people respond to it well? Now you're kind of allowed to start asking for money and attention. Like, just, this, and, just to get that clear. Right. And <laughs> like I said, I have not been through this process, but what I see, and I've covered this in journalism, and I've I've looked at this with people I know involved in, in the creative process for uh, teams that have done this, it's sort of threefold. Like, one, you have done all the planning you need to do. You know what the rest of the process is going to look like. Two, yeah. you have some uh, tangible stuff to show for it. So you, you could put together some gameplay videos, some concept art, some feature lists, and then you you know who's going to be doing it, what's what's going to take it across the finish line. And those are all things that they ask for on Kickstarter. Like, you know, this this is what you can expect and when, and this is what's already done. And uh, if you like what you see, you can back the project and here's what you'll get. So you'll you'll know all of that stuff at this point. And that's, I think that's the first moment you should consider it. So at this point or later in the development process. So this, this is the earliest you should do it. Excellent. Excellent. Now, see, I didn't realize Kickstarter had those kind of prerequisites because sometimes from the outside looking in, it doesn't seem like it does. I've never touched it. Um, I have maybe given money to one project and, and I don't even remember how that went. So. Uh, you know if i had an interaction with it it was very small and it wasn't worth more than 10 bucks so i didn't realize there was any prerequisites uh for it so this is something that's changed over time i think the requirements have have gradually changed it's a better system now than it was before however not that long ago i've seen somebody talking in a forum about hey i want you other game dev folks to know about what i'm doing because i'm a local guy here in your area and I am, I'm about to embark on this journey to create this game that's unlike anything you've ever seen or dreamed about or imagined. And he described something that he was exactly right. It's never been done. I would not have faith in any company in existence to do it correctly. If Microsoft said it, I would say they're full of crap. He was not a programmer. He didn't have a team. Like, he had written a couple of paragraphs of poorly spelled stuff, and he had an open Kickstarter for this thing, and some people had given him money. And I don't have to look, but I can tell you it didn't happen. So, Mm. I I think realistically, I'm probably one for two on Kickstarters I've backed for games. One was the Exploding Kittens game by the, the Oatmeal some some site like that that's a that's a group yeah that's that's one group and then the <laughs> other was um the other was interesting because this guy created this like 8-bit music generation tool that i liked and i emailed him one day and i was like hey i, I made some youtube stuff for a website i work with and i uh, i gave you a shout out because this tool is great and he goes oh great maybe you could think about backing my Kickstarter. We're making a game sort of along these lines with the same kind of stuff. It's going to come with some music generation stuff. I'm like, okay, great. Five bucks. You, you got it. That was years ago. And that dude is nowhere near releasing that game. And it is sad to watch. Like every six months, he'll update his backers who are just livid. Like, cause people put more money in it than I did. And they're like, what is going on? He's like, wow. we, you know, we're retooling this certain part and we're trying to make sure this one part is the best it can be. And it's like, 
dude, get the product done. Stop trying to keep reaching further and further. Realistically, they probably just found out they're not really able to do it. Um, That's what I'm wondering. This was a group that did not have a track record of anything like this. I think they probably just came up with the fact that, like, we don't know what's going on. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it, I'm back. Like I said, I'm, it's sad. I would, I would hate to be caught in that situation. Like, I took a bunch of people's money, and I couldn't deliver. Like, I couldn't imagine that. I would never sleep again. It's terrible. It's terrifying, <laughs> and it's terrible. Some people backed, don't have that, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I backed one game, and I go and look about it every now and then, and the guy's just updating it slowly. I don't go nameless, because I don't want you guys to go look for it or, or go... There's no reason for that, but I back no. one game. I, I, I have a soft spot for 2D games on the PC. They have good storylines, and this one seemed like a really cool concept to me, and I says, yeah, I'll give this guy 10 bucks. I like this, and I got the demo, and it was fun. Mm-hmm. That's, that's it. It's been forever. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's happened. It's just... It's there. I see him updating it, but it's just like, wow. I mean, it's been years, and it's just a 2D game. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like I did uh, the Apocalypse Now game or something like that. Right. And <laughs> this, this open up that to, can of worms. Yeah. This isn't to spend the whole night bagging on Kickstarter, but the point yeah, yeah, is... Yeah, yeah, The point is, I think a solid foundation starts probably at this point. No earlier in the process should you go, here's what we're doing, give me your monies. Like this, yes. this should have gone in front of an audience already. This you should have a big collection of of things to show for your efforts already, and you should yes. have a real solid plan moving forward. So those are the three things I would not go anywhere without that stuff. And and just just to hit this real quick, and then and then to move forward here to to the end of this is that to be clear, we're not dogging on Kickstarter. Just we are a little people's bit. people. Well, it's a bad thing. I'm, okay. It's, I guess maybe I don't know I was thinking more so it's the people and their intent that are using it like I like the idea of Kickstarter mm-hmm. when it's done in the right context the problem is that it's as you can tell we've had more experiences than not where <laughs> yeah no, it's not really worked out <laughs> let's let's try to follow our own rules let's try to look at the at the good side of this yes. what Kickstarter has become very good for and it seems to work very well is building a community before a game gets out the door. So if you are able to pull in people who are interested in what you're doing that you might not have reached during development before Kickstarter came along and you do right by those people, you will have a very positive experience and you'll have a a leg up on those of us who don't really believe in, in the Kickstarter process. It's, it is a good way to get people on board, get them amped, whereas even if I come to you and go, I got a brand new game and you're like, what What are you talking about? You know, it may be harder for me to reach you if you haven't been following along and you're not invested in that way. And really part of the whole marketing stuff we talked about last week is just one way to sort of fill that void. Whereas if you do well on Kickstarter, you'll have an audience. Yep. There you go. I like that. Okay. Fair enough. I still don't like it, but that's fine. But if you're going to do it, that's, that's sort of the indicator is did you do what you said you were going to do and did you use it to uh, come up with an audience? I'm into this. That I do like. That uh, just said a little bit of a different perspective on it. Mm-hmm. But I can understand why you're apprehensive about it still. So, But anyways. I, some things will never change. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying that's where I'm at. And that's – yeah. I personally don't intend to ever go that route. Maybe I'll have to come back and go, I was a liar. Here we are. But <laughs> – I have well, never I done think, it and I don't plan to. I think off air one time you had one of the best 
angles on this, which is that you said that you would feel more comfortable if you had an established track record. And I yeah. thought, you know what, that is a really solid approach to doing something like this. Like if a if a solid studio that already gave you one or two pretty righteous games wanted to reach a little bit further than maybe they thought that they could right now with their current personnel and abilities, mm-hmm. and they wanted to overreach just a little bit, um, yeah, go for it. Go for yeah. it. That would that would feel pretty good. I like that too. I like that route a lot better. Like what I would say was I wouldn't do a Kickstarter at all unless I pretty much had the thing done. Like unless I know that I could do this and I have it working. Like don't put a bunch of feature sets on there that you haven't even gone and fiddled with at all yet. To where yeah. <laughs> to where you don't even know if you're gonna if you can pull this off in the thing. You just wrote it on there because your brain liked the idea. Now all of a sudden you're looking at it and when you open up how to do this, you're like, ah, oh, we got to change the Kickstarter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, make sure, make sure you could do the whole stinking thing. <laughs> I'll, I'll make the bold claim that I was correct in what I said to you before, but um, yes. I, to, to maybe put that in a different way, you should never do something for the first time during a Kickstarter. And that's <laughs> big steps or small steps. Like it, it the Kickstarter, when you have someone else's money in your pocket, should not be the proving ground. So if you've been through the process at least once with positive results, okay, fine. I'll, I'll listen to you. I'll, I'll hear you out. And that's about the best I can say about that. This is not a Kickstarter show. Uh, to, sort exactly. of, to sort of explain how we're going to approach this show compared to the next show, uh, this is steps one through four, and we're now up to the product development process. So this is the part where it used to be the only stage you thought existed in the game development process. You just <laughs> code a game and you're done. So we're, we're up to that point now. So you've got a plan, you know what you're going to develop and that's where we're going to pick it up next week. We're going to talk about from development to launch and it's not just development and launch. We'll call this the first four of eight steps and we will pick this back up next week. Perfect. Perfect.